Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by my friend, Adams. Adams and I have an interesting getting to know you story that I'm going to share uh, before we start the episode uh, because I would like to say we had some technical difficulties when in fact um, we we didn't. We didn't have technical difficulties. I forgot to press the record button. First time it's ever happened on My Wax Museum. Not the first time it's ever happened to me as a podcaster. And we were already just in the middle of the conversation, as in a few minutes into it. And and I just figured I wouldn't disrupt the flow to restart and do this, this fake beginning. Uh, so I'll tell you. Adams and I met using an app called Dial-Up, where once a day or twice a day, depending on the day, uh, you just get a phone call, and it's it says it's coming from Quarantine Chat, and and you pick up, somebody's on the other end, and you just chart, start chatting. We enjoyed our conversation so much, and I said, you know what, hey, uh, would you be up for being on a podcast to chat more? And he said... Sure. So with that, we sat down and and recorded this podcast. So it's pretty exciting. It was really fun to do. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. But remember, more importantly than listening to this podcast, which as always, we appreciate, is listening to the people around you, the people in your life. So make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. And so, okay, so you're, you're clearly a very um, analytical person. Like you like to look at things and, and question them, um, which is great, um, especially when, when you want to improve things. So is that, is that like questioning mindset um, something that you've always had or did you acquire it at some point? So that I think that's part of it. I don't I don't think it's it's just myself naturally like that, but it became increasingly like that after I came to the States. And so yeah, as I get older, in fact, I would say, you know, in my late twenties, that's when I start really started actually questioning things. Whereas before you just sort of follow, you just do what's expected, you do what's natural comes to you. But then in my late twenties, and starting that at that point, I started questioning authorities, questioning the basic concept of everything. Really, you know, you you the in fact, I I ask a question why more often as I get older, rather than stopping asking why, I start asking why more about religion, about about the basic cultural beliefs, about just say, about anything. You know, if if there's a way to ask why I do. I ask why. Interesting. Uh, and I, I think that's an important question to ask, probably the most important question to ask, because um, it gets at the root, root of things. Did you, did you have an experience in your late 20s then where, where you felt almost awakened, I guess, from, from just doing what was expected of you? Like what was going on uh, that gave you that change in mindset? I am not 100% sure, but I can, and I can specifically pinpoint a particular moment. But um, 
I think this probably in my late 20s, I remember that was already in my early 30s, probably early 30s. I went to this meeting in San Jose. And at the time I was married. And um, um, I think um, one of those pioneers in women's rights uh, 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 was speaking in uh, San Jose State University. And I forgot what's her name, but she was one of those she was a big uh, women's rights movement person. And I remember going there with my wife because my wife wanted to go listen to her. And we, you know, we just stood in line. I mean, we, we stood there and listened to her speech. And somewhere in that speech, she spoke something about, um, about having children, how we should support people who have children. Now, I don't particularly have the same view right now, but back then I'm thinking, I don't have children. Why should I put in all the efforts to support other people's children? You know, because she was emphasizing how important that, you know, raising children is. So I just decided, you know, kind of, now she's a famous person who's established. I just decided to stay, stay in line and, uh, and start ask, you know, get my turn to ask my question. So when I got to the line and asked us the question, now why is it, why is it that I, as a single person, or as a married person who have no no children, who have no plan of having children, why should we put in all these effort in raising other people's children, you know, this and that, uh, promoting a society like that? And I don't even know why I asked that question now, looking back now, it was just something I asked. But in that moment, I got boos from the audience and people was very negative toward, the, toward, toward my question. Now to me, I'm just asking a question. There's no challenging of challenging of authority or anything like that. But because she's a well-known person and she's considered an authority, you know, people were very, the reaction were negative to me. Now today it would be the same thing could happen on Twitter or whatever, you know, people start speaking out. But back then it wasn't like that, right? So um, that was my first chance to, to think, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong with asking. You, I, I sincerely try to know why. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I'm challenging or, you know, if I ask a question, like, just answer the question. That's all, you know, that's, that's all I'm what's seeking. So, so I think that was sort of a, a, a wake up call of sort. But, you know, I, I think it's all good. That's a really interesting experience. Um, did that, like, did, did the boo booing affect you in any way or did you just kind of brush it off? It registered, but it didn't affect me in any way. I just think, you know, all these people are just our supporters. So it wasn't a big deal to me. But um, again, I think nowadays it's no big deal because you can say something on Twitter and people attack you. Just that. But this is in a public forum and people are less inclined to do that back then. And um, and but it was the first time for me personally to just sort of challenging challenging the uh, conventional authority you know conventional wisdom where she she said this oh we should all be responsible you know the way i look at it is just back then anyway you know i'm still a bit like that but not quite but you know if you're gonna have children that you should be bearing the complete responsibility for the children at least that's what i'm i believe um so so you know so you better think twice you better you know you better be prepared for that because if you if you do that, then, you know, why should you offload your responsibility to others when you can't control, um, 
you know, to have children or not. That, anyway, that was my thinking at the time. So um, I haven't really put much thought into that idea lately, you know, in past years. But yeah, so that was the, that was the thing that triggered it. Huh. So, um, I mean, you're obviously a curious person asking questions because you're, you're curious, not, you know, it's pretty clear you weren't trying to antagonize her or the audience. Um, have you always been a curious, like, were you curious like that as a kid? Um, yeah, I guess so. Although again, go back to when I was in, in, as a younger kid, your curiosity sort of more, especially in society I grew up, they didn't really encourage that much. They just basically force that whatever they have to you. And your goal is to absorb as much as possible. Uh, I have more freedom in the States. So uh, I think that was a great thing that my parents were, you know, smart enough to migrate to the United States for, it's definitely better for me, you know, and, and I, I stay curious. Uh, you know, I still try to learn things, um, you know, uh, whenever I can. I'm not really much of a scholar of any kind, but, you know, things I find interesting, I would look into it and I would think about it. And, you know, you know, I was a kid, I love, you know, the mis- typical mysteries, you know, you know, uh, uh, UFOs, you know, ghosts, you know, as a kid. But as you get older, you realize, okay, some of these things can be actually um, in a scientific way or my mindset to to find out. So I still do. I, I, I still am interested in stuff like that, but, you know, mostly from more, more from a skeptical perspective. Um, and that's because of my, my, my knowledge base has increased. So therefore, you must take that into consideration. Right. You kind of have more of a background that you're working with uh, when analyzing everything else you see in the world. Absolutely. So when you're when you were a kid, I am curious a little bit about um, like the UFOs and ghosts, because I remember watching all of those shows as a kid. What what drew you into those things? Um, I can't, again, I can't um, specifically know what exactly it is, but I think the mysterious aspect of it, um, in fact, I still have a book from when I was 10 years old. I, I dug out and, you know, from my, I was cleaning up my same stuff. And I found this book, which I find, I was probably at 10, 11 years old. And this is book, basically the name of the book is Mysteries. It has all these stories uh, about mysterious events including UFOs, ghosts, and, you know, uh, sea monsters and all these. And most of, it, most of it actually are very poorly written. It's basically a gossip column put together, translated from, from you know, from English to, to the and they just collection of that. But all these things intrigued me so much that, you know, I started looking into it. And um, it, it, it's always in the back of my mind, you know, to this day, of course, you know, UFO is still a mystery. I just watched another episode of uh, a couple documentaries on netflix some of them are pretty bad but then i watched this other documentary it's pretty good it's pretty intriguing and it got my thinking either also you know i mean just by watching that documentary it got i got some fascinating i mean i got some really interesting question that i thought nobody ever asked which okay which what well, well, on the subject i thought i'll just share that with you now, I watched this documentary. Again, I don't know. I forgot the name of it. But in this documentary, it's this doctor, this surgeon. He was the host. And you could probably look it on, on Netflix. Um, anyway, he was talking about all these evidence throughout the years. 
um, of um, people reporting UFOs and that. And, you know, he's got, and I have a book on that also as well, but I read a book on that as well. But in this, in this case, he, he brought out all these, uh, um, all these people who proclaim to work for the government, different government, U.S. government, Canadian government, and work for the Air Force, work for, this, you know, all these departments. And they come out with all these fantastic stories, seemingly credible, and uh, some of them complements each other. And so the essence of this, in the end, basically, he's saying, you know, you can, by watching the, the document itself, documentary itself, you may want to con- come to a conclusion where, okay, there, there, there is UFOs, you know, not UFO, but, but, but basically, uh, uh, different species from perhaps other part of the, uh, of the, um, galaxy that had visited us. And supposedly there's, you know, several, there's several different kind of alien that's already U.S. government is in contact with, but you know, even the uh, there's a basically like a shadowy uh, uh, kind of agency that refused to release information, even not to the even to the president of the United States. They don't do that. So now I was watching this, and I've heard this story before, um, you know, and I heard this conclusion. However ridiculous you may think it is, uh, you know, this is a conclusion that many of them come to. Now my question is, you know, so I was thinking, okay, if that were the case. They were trying to hide the hide the secrets and not try not to let people know. Yet we see UFOs every you know every so often we hear story of people these things. I'm thinking if if I were the alien itself, if I were the gray alien, whatever they call the aliens, or whatever aliens I have, and if the story is in fact true that I my species have contact with human species, and the human is trying to keep this a secret. If I choose to uh, to let people know that we actually exist, I could do that easily. The reason, I mean, that would be, it should be effortless for me to expose myself to the general public. Yet, I'm not doing that. Why am I not doing that? Why is it that these people, the shadow figure, trying to keep my existence a secret, when in fact, I could easily expose that secret? So I, I don't I think that question has been asked. So I'm thinking, you know, that's probably because if I were alien and I have all these technology who I, who I could have shared um, with the U.S. government or any government for that matter, you know, I can travel intercellularly in, in, a, in, a, in a pod that have used very little energy. I can distort, uh, you know, I don't have to, you guys are using all these energy, fossil fuel and whatever. There's ways to get basically free energy free and abundant energy to sustain your life. Why am I not sharing that with you? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, that's the question I asked initially myself. But of course, I haven't come to a conclusion. But I, my, my suspicion is because we as human beings are too primitive. We are, we, we are programmed to screw each other up. We're, we're our, our desire to compete with each other, to outdo each other, makes me not suitable to know these kind of things. I mean, look at and, and this will be a, a bit political, but, but look at the policy we have in the 80s and 90s. That U.S. government thinking, okay, China is behind right now. Their, their economy is bad. People are suffering there. Why don't we befriend them, introduce them to our way of uh, our technology and our way of doing business? And in the end, it will be better for everyone. This is very common. You know, this is the Clinton years. 
you know, throughout to Obama years, even uh, all these years, they're thinking, okay, we can be nice to China. We're giving a technology, we invest, we we will all benefit. Everybody, everybody will benefit. But of course, now we know that's not the case. The Chinese culture, or I shouldn't say Chinese culture, the Chinese gov communist government have this tendency to want to dominate. They want to dominate the world. They want to grasp everything they can. They want to be number one in everything. And they will do so in any way, shape, and form they can. And that actually is consistent with human nature, I believe, in general, of course. So if I were alien and I have the contact with some specific selected people in the human race, and I, I tell, they know that I have this technology and I share a certain bit of technology with them. Would I want to let the average population know or the average leaders know that we can do that? No, it would be too risky because they know better. They know human nature that we are just going to end up using this technology, try to dominate each other and perhaps even kill everybody. And when the technology catch up with me, the alien, they might try to go and get me. And I don't know. That's just a random thought that I had lately. I'm not saying it's rational, but that's just for that's just something I stumble up. I've been just in the back of my mind. Hmm. I love I love how you think about things. How you're just constantly questioning, like, well, why would they do that? Why would it be like this? And uh, and that curiosity. What's the w through your curiosity using that uh, as a lens to look at your life so far? What um, what is the coolest thing that you have ever learned just by asking questions? Um, the coolest thing that I've, learnt, I've ever learned by asking questions? Um, wow, you're pushing me a bit ahead of myself because, um, because one of the biggest questions I ask myself, and, and it's, it's a, perhaps the hardest question, is a question that I actually have heard before, but one day I was watching this documentary. Um, the host is Brian Green. He's the author of the uh, the Elegant Universe. Anyway, in this do documentary, it's about time and this and that. And um, um, and one of the big one of the questions that that's remain unsolved to this day is that why there's a direction in time. And in this documentary, of course, they presented that question again. And now I happen to be on an airplane watching this show, and suddenly I got thought, yeah, I mean, we, that, I already know that question, but of course I asked myself, yeah, why is that? You know, and of course in, in this case, they, in, in the documentary, they, they, uh, they present some, some conjectures and some ideas, but I'm thinking that, that's not good enough. That's, so I start asking myself that question. And through asking that question, I have decide, decided I was going to write a book about it because that led, that led me down to a rabbit hole that's far deeper than I thought. But through the process of trying to solve that question, um, I learned a lot about, you know, a lot more about, about basic science. And more importantly, learn a lot more about myself. Uh, believe it or not, you know, my, my, my insatiable curiosity in certain things. So, so yeah, so I'm working on that right now. But uh, um, in fact, I worked on it this afternoon. I've been working on it. I've been starting to work on the book um, only recently. But uh, it is definitely, um, 
you know, uh, uh, something that's uh, perhaps more ambitious than I should be taking on. I mean, but why not, right? Why not? Indeed, that's uh, one thing I said to myself. You know what? I'm not a I'm not a young man, and there, you know, I'm starting to running out of things to 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 actually want to do, and I'm I just want to do this so badly. Huh. Yeah. So, um, like, I mean, cause, cause you could just, you could just let it be and say, oh, well, that was an interesting documentary and, and not worry about it. And, um, but then all this thinking has, has led you, like you said, down the rabbit hole and, uh, and now you're working on this book. Um, and so like, why, why can't you leave it alone? Why do you have to indulge in your in your creativity and curiosity actually that's a good question because that question itself um is part of my book because strangely enough that through the process of trying to solve that question um you know why is there a direction in time i sort of um find meaning in life through that through asking that question and and and, and um, realizing that's something I must do that's something that is my purpose in life and, and and for me to come to that that um, I mean for me to get to this point uh, of wanting to write this book is is very unlikely is if you had asked me that when I was a younger person I would say no way you're you're nuts but yet here I am trying to do this, something that's wildly ambitious uh, for my ability anyway. Um, but that's something I realize I must do through the quest of finding um, the answer to that question. Um, of course, I've, I have discovered other things that's related because I keep on asking myself the question. So in fact, the goal of the book is to, to, to not only just answer this question, but if I were successful and I've written this book, then hopefully the successful outcome is the reader reads my book and find the purpose or the answer why he or she exists in this world. That's my goal anyway. That's awesome. Um, I think, I mean, that's something that everybody's looking for is trying to figure out some, some meaning and some purpose behind everything that we do. Um, and so I think, the the goal is definitely noble um and so i know i know that's not your only creative project um now if you don't mind me bringing up would we be able to get into the snowboard sure why not okay cool because i thought this was really cool when you told me about it um why i'm assuming you're a big snowboarder um just jump in jump in and tell me um, whatever, whatever you want to share about it. So this happened. I've been a snowboarder since, um, since the early, since the early days, since 1988. So that was before snowboarding was even pop, be, right before it became popular. Um, something I discovered. So, you know, jump forward another, uh, 15 year or so, 20 years, roughly. Um, so let's see, it's 2000, that was 2000. Oh gosh, I've been working on this project for 15 years. But anyway, in 2005, I was, um, by then I wasn't snowboarding as much as I used to, and I was busy. So a friend of mine asked me to uh, go snowboarding. 
And so anyway, I went there and then, you know, it was, it was in Toronto, in fact. Um, so I spent the night before at my friend's house. It was a very, it was, the room was very hot and I couldn't sleep. So I was thinking, okay, here I am. I'm on my third snowboard at that point in time, third or fourth snowboard. And essentially it's the same snowboard as the very first snowboard I had, you know, prior to them, years before that. I'm thinking there's nothing new there. Not that, not that it is important that you have something, you have to have something new, but there's really nothing uh, performance wise to make a better snowboard performance wise. Everything, every improvement you have in the snowboard world at that point is to improvement of skill. So I believe that the, the fact that you need more skill to become more enjoyable is a flaw in design. So anyway, of course, that's in the back of my mind. So I was thinking, how can I make this thing better? So from that point on, I invented the snowboard. Um, I was, I draw it. I start drawing in my mind. I think, okay, this is how I can improve it. Eventually, make the long story short, I spent 15 years and probably close to half a million dollars on it. And who knows, countless of hour, countless hours on developing the product, making all kind of mistakes that you can possibly make when it comes to try to start your own business and try to make a deal or try to make things. Um, you know, I injured myself. I had a concussion. I cut my fingers. I lost money to scanners, scammers who said they can do things. Um, you know, um, it just, it just, uh, in many ways, it's a, a slow motion in disaster, in a disaster, but slow motion. But nevertheless, you know, I end up with a product which is, which was in many magazines. In fact, it was in a uh, men's journal, um, years ago. It was, uh, featured in many websites and it was featured in, in, in some of the top year magazine, for example, in Europe, several big, big magazines in Europe. This is a while back, but I continue to struggle because I continue to, um, make mistakes and, but learning from my mistake as I go. So now I'm, Last year, I'm not possible for getting this thing done. And then I, you know, made a wrong selection, picking, uh, picking the wrong material for certain parts. And that part started malfunctioning just as I was about to deliver the product. So I have to hold, stop that. Then I have to go back and get the mold changed and get a different material and try to test that. And just as that prior parcel was about to come out, this coronavirus hit, factories closed. I couldn't get my parts. Ski slopes close, you know, resorts start closing. I, even if I had a park and get tested. So I'm stalled again. But anyway, you know, I'm just going to keep going until, until I can't go any further. So I took very small incremental steps. And I suppose if I had better understanding of how business world works, how engineering works, how design works, you know, and if I had a team, you know, all this could be done in two, three years. But instead, I'm doing everything myself and uh, learning everything as I can, every step of the way, and uh, end up with the product you see. It's called the Whip. You can probably Google it. Google the Whip snowboard. You'll take a, you'll see a picture of it. It is in fact revolutionary. It is a snowboard that can make a. Um, it's effortless to ride. It's smooth. It's much safer, and it is better. It takes it takes less physical effort to get the same kind of performance out. So hmm. that's pretty much it. So 
Um, so I'm not I'm not a snowboarder. I I don't know anything about uh, you know about how how to snowboard or or what makes a board good or bad. Um, so maybe explain explain to me as somebody who's never purchased a snowboard, who's never looked at purchasing a snowboard. Explain to me why if I were to get one. Uh, that I should get the whip. What like what exactly is it that makes it safer? That makes it easier to handle? That you know wh- what makes it you know all all these things. All right. So without of course having visual aids, it's a little bit more difficult. But I will try it anyway. So a regular snowboard basically is a plank. Basically, is flat. Okay. So what? You 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 stand on you stand you you stand on top of the snowboard, and to to make the snowboard turn and everything, it requires a shifting of your weight, your center of gravity, to from your heel to your toe. That's essentially how you make make turns. You you once you 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 shift your weight, the weight will will shift to one side of the board, and the board will carve the snow because the board. If you look at the board from top, it's kind of an hourglass shape. Somewhere up hourglass shit. And then so if you shift your, your weight to one side of the one side of the board and that hourglass shape, the curved curved edge will will sort of carve the snow to in a curvature manner. So that's how you turn. So you would turn one side, then you shift your weight to another side, then you turn another side. So you go you you go in an S shape, go down a hill in an S shape, you know, up zigzag back and forth in an S S shape. So the problem with that or I think the problem, not that, that of course, if you're, if you're really good in controlling, then that wouldn't be a problem. But of course, the, the, the problem from a physics perspective is, okay, so you have a transition from one edge, then you go to the flat, then you go to the other edge. This transition is, is in, in a split second, if you know how to snowboard. But it is nevertheless a transition. So you don't really, you don't, you rarely see people who, snowboard straight down from the hill, straight straight from top to bottom, like some of these ski jumpers and stuff like you don't see that on snowboard too often unless you're really good. That's because if you were trying to go straight down without turning on the flat, just on the flat side of the board, which will make you go pretty fast. But the problem with that is because both sides of the boards are curved, if you somehow catch the wrong side of the edge, you fall down really hard. If you if 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 the curve if you if your 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 curve is your edge is catching, let's say your downside edge, you're 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 going downhill, but you're supposed to always have the curve carving on the higher side of the the slope. Okay, on the higher side of the slope. Okay. So so you can carve, right? Right. But if you catch if you if you're going down straight and you having to tilt your board just a little bit, you catch your board on the lower side of the snow, or your edge on the lower side of the snow. You are, you are fall and you will fall hard and fast. So that essentially is a problem. In fact, if you look, you look at all any boat, they're always V-shaped. The reason is because it will center itself. Well, that's that's it. That's what I designed my snowboard to be slightly V-shaped. So now, um, and I, I have an opening in the middle. So what I did is I create four edges. There's two edges on the outside that's that's curved. But then the, the board is slightly V-shaped, and then there's two straight edges in the middle. And those two straight edges is what keep you going straight. So because of that, it's, of course, V-shaped, 
is inherently not flat, so it's in, not inherently uh, stable in that sense. If you you cannot stand, you, if you stand on my snowboard, you cannot just it won't be flat. It will be just kind of wobble a little bit. But that wobbleness is what makes it better, because now you stand on the snowboard. If you just tip to one side, now you're engaged in one side of the edge, the curved edge. If you tip back, you you're engaged in another side of the edge, which is also curved. But if you stay center, if you just center your weight, you're you're engaging. You're standing basically. You're engaging the 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 two straight edges. So now, if I were to teach you how to snowboard, it's very simple. With my board, anyway, you stand on a somewhere. There's a very small slope, so it doesn't go too fast. You stand on the board. You point the board. You center your stand up straight. Center yourself. The board will go straight. If you decide to turn, tip to one side, it will engage to the side. It will turn the other side. If you if you decide to turn the other way, tip the other way, it will turn the other way. That's it. So it's kind of like a skateboard if you know how to ride a skateboard. But basically, there's very little skills to be involved. Of course, you can get better at it. But what I'm just saying is, it makes it much easier to control. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have that st stage where you have no control, where the flat area where you neither you cannot feel the edge of either side. Now, if you're really good, you can feel one edge over the other, so you can be sensitive control that, controlling that. With my board, you don't have to do that. You just sort of stand up straight, center your weight. It will self. It will self engage to go straight because because that's where it's engaging the ground. But if you tip, then you will catch the edge. And now on top of that, now that's one, that's what's revolutionary part about my snowboard, the basic design. But on top of that, I also added a uh, suspension system, which that suspension system, this is another part of the snowboarding. Now, if you're if you are a good snowboarder, you will know, no matter how good you are, um, in, in a regular condition, of course, even in powdery condition, that's different. But in a regular condition where you 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 snowboard in a groomed groomed uh, condition, which is the snow that's been compressed. The snowboard itself will vibrate, and the reason that the reason that snowboard itself vibrates is because of the material is made of. There's a there's a certain frequency that vibration when it gets to that frequency, it will just naturally vibrate in that frequency, given a little input of energy. So we will always vibrate. In fact, almost all snowboard skis vibrate, and that's just a problem that nobody solved. In my case, I solved the problem. What I did is through the suspension system, without getting too much mechanical uh, description of it, but it basically canceled the vibration. So my board is not only just easy to control, but you can go down the slope at a super fast speed. It's completely smooth. The difference is almost, um, the basic difference is like, if you are just used to driving a big lumbering truck and you drive the truck, you, you, drive, you have to put in much more effort to turn the truck, and it's kind of bumpy, this and that, versus a smooth, cornered, smooth, you know, fast uh, sports car, which is you control, you can still feel the rope, but you can feel, you don't feel the, the roughness, and you can control it perfectly. That basically is my snowboard. Huh. So you, I mean, you mentioned that, that you've been working on this project for 15 years already, um, and it sounds amazing. I've seen pictures of it already. I'll I'll put links in the show notes for anybody else who who would like to check it out. Um, it is very cool looking, um, and yeah, I just I just think it's fantastic that you've put this much thought and effort into into creating something like this. And so one thing that you mentioned was 
all the setbacks that you've faced with it, um, especially right now with what's going on with factories shutting down and so not being able to get the get the product out. So why um, why keep going with it? Like what keeps you moving? Uh, when you when you face those difficult roadblocks, it is uh, well to put it mildly frustrating, of course, at times. But perhaps had I known that it was going to be this difficult, um, I may have quit. Quit, uh, you know, even before I started. But of course, people told me, you know, it's not going to be easy. It's not as easy as you think. This and that. But I just thought, you know, what the hell. But at some point, um, probably I would say only a few years in. Uh, you know, when I started drawing this idea, um, I realized there's certain, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of strange, but I feel like this product have drafted me. I didn't really come up with anything. The product has always been there. It's gra- it grabbed a hold of me and, and sort of assigned me, or if you, I mean, that's just a way of describing it, you know, saying that, hey, you, Adams, you are the person I've chosen. You must make me the product, the whip snowboard come true because I'm destined to come true. I'm destined to, to, to be in the market. You're the person to do it. I feel this obligation almost. I feel like this, uh, you know, someone have asked me to do something and I say yes to it. And I feel like, you know, I got to do it. I have no choice because it's my work, because I've given my work. And that's how I feel about it. And that's, that's the only way I can describe that because really financially speaking, it's crazy. The kind of financial risk I've taken is absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and not only that, I, I am, I'm not, although I do enjoy snowboarding, I'm not a, one of those crazy snowboarder who, who, who wants, who think and drinks, drink about snowboarding all the time. No, I enjoy snowboarding and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the time. And in fact, I'm almost too old for it. Thank goodness my own design because um, I can snowboard and no problem on my own snowboard. Uh, in the past season, last season, when I went snowboarding, I switched the board with another guy too. So he can try my board and I, I was using his traditional snowboard. I could barely make it down the slopes, whereas I could do that easily without any without any effort on my own, own snowboard. So, so yeah, I think it's something that um, the market needs had drafted me i think that's such a cool idea and i think so many creative people would agree with you um but maybe i mean i'm a creative person and although i've never used those exact words you talking about how well it just you know wanted to be there and then i'm the one that's helping the idea along Uh, i think that's such a like a poetic way way to put it and it really sums up the feeling of of having an idea like that. So what's what's your ultimate hope? We're going to kind of um, start moving into the end of the show here, which is where we talk about your future. And so what's your ultimate hope um, with the whip? And uh, yeah, go. We'll, we'll go from there. Sure. You know, hopefully, uh, and, and I'm still working on it, that uh, I will establish myself, the product will establish itself. I will make some money out of it. I don't have to be a multimillionaire to, to be that. Just enough so I can make some money, um, you know, get, if I can just get paid for all the efforts I put in and then some and profit off of it, it's good enough because I, I really think the product deserves to be on the market um, and people can enjoy it. And I can point to that, hey, I, I invented that. 
oh, I already can do that, but you know, I like to do that more often. And and as I mentioned, you know, I, I I'm working on my book, and because of my effort on this product itself, it gave me a um, perhaps a um, unfair um, confidence in in what I could possibly achieve. Because I again, I could never thought if you if I, when I was younger, if you told me that, oh, you're you know, you're going to invent something and uh, you're going to spend 15 years on it and you're going to spend all this money on it. You're going to be in the, in, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to be featured in, in the internationally um, known magazines and, and, you know, you'll be, you know, you've spent all this time and effort into it. And then this not, I would say no way. Cause I was just kind of a laid back and uh, not very ambitious person. I don't still consider myself ambitious. I'm ambitious in, in, in my goal, in what I need to do. But again, I feel like that's a calling more than ambition. So because of this experience, that leads me to, to, to believe that I can write this book. In fact, that's something I also have to do. The work is part of, is part of what I have to do to get to who I am now. And I will have to do that part. Now, I may have this, I may discover something else down the road, but right now that's the end. And that's a goal. It, it is definitely not a financial um, um, financial goal because if I wanted to do that, I would have probably, I don't know, do a better job, I'd consult someone who have more experience in doing doing business business and how to make most of money out of it. I've taken many advice, not taken many advice, and insist on doing things the way I think it needs to. The product needs to be done, and you know, impress some some people in the factory. You know, they say, oh, we can. We can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. I say, well, maybe I can do this. You know, I'm gonna do this and that. And in, uh, in fact, my invention is not just a snowboard itself. What people, most people, in fact, people don't know is, I invented many ways of making the product itself. The, the the product the way it is now, the boy it is now cannot be made by, by traditional method. And I have to find a way to make it. And I have to spend my own money. Uh, you know. To invest in the factory, making tooling to to do that experiment, those things cost me dearly. But again, ultimately, I hope it will pay off. That's awesome. I, I mean, you're you're putting so much effort into this, um, and it's such a cool physical thing. Obviously, all my creative projects, they're you know they're all digital, right? Uh, they're all on the internet. Um, but that's so cool that you've gotten into like the manufacturing process and invented these different ways to to actually produce um, produce the whip. Uh, that is awesome. Um, so as we wrap it up here, then um, imagine imagine you're sitting at the end of your life. Hopefully, you're like 150 or something, right? And uh, and you're sitting there and you're looking back on everything that you've accomplished, everything you've seen, everything you've done, what what are you most proud of and what are you most satisfied with? Most satisfied? If I were, you know what? If I were 150 laying back, I'm thinking, I'm 150 year old. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's all I, you know, that's all I need to say. I, I don't need to, because every moment, believe it or not, and, and this sounds a bit corny, every moment, that, that I'm alive. Every moment that I'm alive, I can take a pause and I think, man, that's 
it's pretty good. You know, I'm looking out the window right now. I'm thinking, wow, I'm here living in a house I, you know, I purchased years ago with a friend and, you know, we fix it up and here I am in the, in this house. That's amazing. I don't really uh, ponder on, you know, one specific point. I sort of just soak it all in as much as I can at that moment when I have those kind of moments. And I do have those moments frequently relatively to most people that I know. So I don't really, I don't really pinpoint this one thing. I mean, the fact that even, um, even, I'm, you know, even as I'm, if I look back to this moment when I'm 150 year old, you know, I would say, gee whiz, you have an idea wanting to, to, to write a book. That's, that's freaking awesome. Just the idea itself. You know, whether, of course, at that point, I wouldn't know, I, I would know, but whether we actually accomplish that or, or not, it doesn't really matter because I, I even have the idea wanting to do this. That's to me, that's probably a very low bar, but that's, you know, that's to me, that's pretty, pretty freaking awesome that you want to do that. That's crazy, but you want to do that. But hey, that's good. That's what kept you going until 150 years old now, you know? Yeah, I love that. Uh, just the idea to soak it in, to enjoy it every moment uh, and appreciate that. Um, so, so with that, that, that about wraps it up. So I'm wondering, um, if you'd like to, to plug any more about the whip, let people know where they can find it or, um, or how they can support the whip. Um, now's the, now's the time for that. All right, great. Um, well, you know, um, you can go to just Google the whip snowboard. You will probably, will probably take it to my website. Now I have to be honest, I haven't been updating my, my website at all because of this, uh, uh, the obstacle I've been encountered. And I, I'm unable to sell the boards I have. But hopefully by this winter, uh, this October, I will sell the, um, I will get the parts fixed and I will have the parts ready and uh, I will be able to sell what the existing stock I have in my garage sitting in there trying to, you know, I, to replace those parts. And I'll sell those and then I'll go down to the next stage and um, those will be limited uh, limited uh, quality items. Uh, the next board won't will not be the same as this one. So hopefully I'll be able to sell those at a you know at a reasonable cost where people have a will have a special value to it because it was only there's only small quantity that was produced. Um, yeah, and just contact me through through the uh, contact information. Tell me your interest. You heard of, uh, heard you heard about me through the uh, podcast and you would like to purchase the board and I'll make sure that you get it before before I go public, I guess. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for joining me. And uh, it was it was a pleasure to chat with you uh, a second time. Well, thank you very much. The pleasure is all mine. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, but to the people around you, the people in your life, who you know from work or school or your adventures, whatever it is, just make five minutes in your day. And I say make, not take, because it's up to you. Five minutes to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.